Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week, and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription, and your donation will help pay our music license, buy audio gear, and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Matner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. Hello. Uh, before we get into this episode, and it's a really good one, um, I just wanted to say for anyone who had listened to um, the last episode where Leith and I chat about me going back to work and him being a stay-at-home dad, um, I just wanted to clarify that um, I'm not finishing up the podcast. I'm going to keep going with the podcast because I love it so much and I get so much joy and knowledge and fulfilment out of it. I think it is the most, I mean, second to trying to be an awesome mum and partner and friend and person. Um, it is the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. So thank you to everyone who has come on so far and to everyone who's going to come on in the future. And a massive thank you to everyone who listens. Um, but at the end of the chat that Leith and I had, um, I was very early on in my in our decision making process and I was a little bit doomsday um and so I think at the end I said well you know mummification's dead that's it um but I've calmed down and it's not so we carry on um, that was really quite tepid for me <laughs> <laughs> I'm like burn my mouth burn it <laughs> Um, So I met Christy Jones, I call her KJ, um, in 2004 on a Contiki tour of Spain (laughs) Um, and since then I have watched from afar as she has moved from Brisbane to Canada to Sydney to Hong Kong to New York and back to Brisbane. Um, (laughs) Now I did have, she's the Asia Pacific Marketing Director for a US software company but that is no longer correct or is it? Um, it is no longer correct. (laughs) (laughs) What should I say? Um, head of marketing for a US company. Okay. It's close. Close. So she's head of marketing for a US company and mummy to nearly two-year-old Edie. Um, so initially I wanted you to come on and chat about being a single mum. But then we spoke on the phone and we spoke for about two hours <laughs> and I thought, oh, we have a fair bit to cover. <laughs> so I think what we'll, we'll do, we'll see how today goes, but the plan was that we would chop you into two parts. Mm-hmm. So we'll just see how far we get. I hope not. Today. <laughs> well, not <laughs> chop your story into two parts um so we'll just see how far we get but it was going to be um up until Edie slash escape from New York yes and then the Edie chapter yeah 
so thanks for coming on. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I love doing this in person. I know. It's well. so nice. Super exciting. We thought we were going to be remote, but you're yeah. down here for the Grand Prix. Yes. You're not really here for the Grand Prix. <laughs> the what? <laughs> um, I'll start with our first question. Mm. If you were stuck on a desert island mm. and you could take a meal, a drink and a personal item, what would they be? I do remember this being prep. I totally didn't have answers. I'm not really good at, like, picking specific favourite things. A meal, though, and the desert island, look, I think it would have to be just, like, beautiful, fresh prawns. Yeah, that would be nice. I just love, I just think, and they're so, they're just everything you need. Yes. That's what you eat one thing for the rest of your life. Prawns. Prawns. Cold prawns. Yep. Uh, what was the second one? A drink. Oh, champagne. I was going to say, surely you're going to go a champagne with your prawns. Literal preferred alternative to water if it could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a personal item. Mm. A personal item. Now, I think I'm going to say phone mm. because it's like – it's your gateway to your world. Not that I like live on my phone. Mm. I actually don't very much, but it's, it, it, it like brings your world closer to you. And so if I was to be on that desert Island, I'd love like something that could keep me access to the thing that the people that I love, you know, like, communication so I'm not you can FaceTime I'm not talking to like Wilson and (laughs) (laughs) starting fire talk to real people (laughs) so um I like to call this first bit escape from New York but you relocated back to Brisbane from New York when you were a zillion weeks pregnant Mm. 30 to be exact 30 31 and a half, nearly 32, yeah. Um, because uh, COVID hit. Yeah. Um, do you want to start there and work our way backwards or do you want to go way back and talk a bit about your accident in Canada and what that then meant or where do, where do we want to start? Start with New York. Great. Yeah, yeah. So you're in New York. You're a zillion weeks pregnant. Yeah. What was your plan? I mean, it almost takes telling, like, the whole New York story, I think. like Hit me. I arrive in New York and it, it, New York happened because it was like, hey, here's this opportunity. Would you like to move to New York for it? Who says no? <laughs> no one says <laughs> Literally no one says no to that. And so I didn't, like seek out in my life I want to move to New York one day and I you know built built my life plan to be around that dream it just it was an awesome opportunity and I and I took it um and so I land there and I knew in the background I wasn't well but I you know ignored it because you're moving countries and you're having fun and you're like exploring a new country a new country and a new place and starting a new job. Um, But then, you know, lo and behold, the journey of the next two to – I was there for three and a half years, but over the course of a couple of years, life just completely changed and I chose to do something I really never thought I would do, which is have a baby independently from a a man or, you know – any co-parenting situation and then it all just happened because it because because I you know I can tell that story separately so here I find myself like what am I going to do with my life well I thought I was going to have a baby um living in New York my mum who I'm really close to was going to come out and be there with me through the birth and and recovery and because you were going to have a cesarean. I was knew I was going to have a cesarean at about oh we started talking at it about at about 27 weeks or maybe 25 weeks somewhere around that mark um for various reasons and then it turns out she was frank breach so it was 
there, in the end, there was absolutely no other choice. But, mm. um, you know, sort of knew it was on the cards and I just wanted my – I wanted my mum to be part of that process as well yeah. as having a, a birth partner. So um, we, we arranged that, you know, she's going to come over for – 89 days and and have that you know sort of time with me and then I was gonna spend a couple more months of my mat leave in New York enjoying you know the rest of summer and and, and autumn fall and then ha- have a couple months over Christmas back in Australia and head back and you know baby was going to go to childcare and I was going to continue living where I was living and continue in the job and raise her in her infant years, at least, um, you know, as a, as a little subway baby, you know, (laughs) as a little, as a little New Yorker who um, probably would have a level of toughness and grit and resilience about them that maybe other kids in the world don't necessarily have. And, yeah, just keep enjoying that life. I wasn't ready to, just because I got pregnant, leave where I was living. Mm. But then February, March hit. And we all got COVID. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the plan. And then COVID hit. And how did that change things? COVID um, was brewing. And as we... We, we live with it now in a way that we didn't two years ago. Mm. And at that point in time, we have to remind ourselves sometimes it was scary. Yeah. And 24 hours was about a week's worth of events. You know, like <laughs> you, every day you'd wake up and the situation would have been so much more um, daunting and, and, and ever-changing and hour to hour was on some days it was hour to hour Mm. um and the city was going through quite a a shock and a and its own sort of thing therefore and all that's all the new all new yorkers were as well um and then on a personal level my pregnancy was getting worse and worse so you know i'd I just had two trips to hospital, one in February and one in mid-March, one via ambulance because I had a respiratory problem in which I could not breathe and I was coughing, you know, coughing relentlessly. Um, Did I have COVID? I don't know because the Department of Health wouldn't test people. That is so, what were the what were the what was the criteria for testing? ICU. Wow. Mm. So you're heavily pregnant and you've gone to hospital in an ambulance because you've got respiratory issues and they're like, don't need to test you. Yeah, no, there was no there was no testing. It's obscene. Isn't it? When we look back, it's like what? So I was in um this special like COVID wing and at this point as well, like the fact that you've got nurses doing fresh PPE every every visit and every patient and you're separated by curtains and we didn't even know masks. Like I had a mask and they're like, here, here's your mask. But like I took it off to have some water. Yeah. I took it off to like wipe the sweat away. You, you didn't necessarily think of it as the same way you do now. Mm. So, you know, full of a whole ward full of people with COVID all around me. <laughs> it, it was it was a bizarre and scary day. And then when did you decide that you needed to come back because your mum couldn't go to you? Um, I, I can't remember the timeline whether at this point of the, the second hospital visit we, we knew she wasn't coming or not. Mm. Um, I think... I think at this point it was like she wasn't going to be there, so I was going to have a friend as a birth partner. Um, and then about a week later, throughout that week, I actually had started to get a lot better. Mm. Um, 
but every day was a massively escalating situation mm. and we we're already in lockdown um and i had just got diagnosed with gestational diabetes and because i had been so unwell it did i didn't get, get getting all the way to the pharmacy you know just a couple of blocks away was a lot for mm. me and um the more than i had done so i was relying on my network to do things they'd been they'd already been getting my groceries and and all those sorts of things but we'd gotten to the point where my network were wasn't there because they had left they had had exposure so we're in isolation they mostly left like people just fled the city mm. and so here i was finding it challenging to get my supplies that i needed to start measuring insulin at from the from the pharmacy something a menial task and it was quite surreal like i found one glove in the in in the house and there was no masks available anywhere so i'd like this big scarf wrapped around me and like went out got the stuff and i was like how can i have a baby and probably have it via cesarean and recover f- from that not just the physical but the emotional process this is meant to be a really happy time of life you're meant to be like oh my god i've just brought this life into the world and it's my child and you want to feel the good feels and at that moment it was none of that it was pure it was literally pure fear mm. and so i had a very restless night and a very concerning night and a few conversations with my parents and um woke up the next day still not cognitively realizing i have to leave but also just feeling a huge amount of fear and unknown i was almost a bit frozen i think mm. and also was really still like it was actually my boss who was the first one to say to me two weeks prior you need to go home you need to get out of there and i was like I, what no i can't i can't leave like i'm so pregnant and how and i was just like that was the most absurd thing i'd ever heard <laughs> and and then um woke up really early the next day and started chatting to my parents and my dad was like right spent the day doing a lot of research talking to my doctor friends you're coming home and i do not want to hear two words about it and you know like definitely play that father protector role um he, he came in pretty hard and it was like i don't want to hear another word about it <laughs> kind of Get thing on the yeah but it was um it was yeah it was what i needed to hear and wasn't didn't take any convincing because i actually knew in deep down that that's what i needed to do and so i spent um i think that was like a saturday morning or something spent that weekend packing up my apartment in a way that was like an an eight month old woman shuffling boxes <laughs> around kicking them and packing a couple of suitcases and and uh, getting rid of food and um, my dear old plants and <laughs> all those things um, and booking a flight, a $16,000 one-way flatbed. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, you did what you got to do. Yeah. You just did it. And then I um, left. I went to the doctor and got my clearance on the, yeah, Monday, on the Monday morning. We had lots of – I had – lots of conversations with my medical team and mm. they had no obviously i had already been through quite a situation i had already possibly had covid or maybe i didn't maybe whatever but the fact of the matter is i've already i'd already been very sick mm. and um i, I had a, a complex pregnancy mm. and the 
the doctor, when I like rang to talk about it on the Saturday, said to me, the thing that you need to remember is we don't know what the government or anyone is going to do. And if you get COVID, your baby or you or your baby, you can get separated. There's no one else. If you get COVID and you end up in an isolated ward, your baby is going to the state. And from that moment, I actually, I didn't need to hear anymore. There was no, there's nothing left in me that had hesitation or concern about, am I doing the right thing? It was a very single track. This is what I need to do. I got very practical. So then on the Monday and the practice reopened, I went in and we had more discussions and physical check and got my medical clearance and my doctor looked me in the eye and said, get the hell out of here now. And she was a very lovely but practical kind of doctor. You know, she's quite pragmatic, but she was also a very caring individual. And the look of fear and stress that she wore on her face is something I don't think many of us have seen in our lives. And I just knew, of course. So, you know, 48 hours later, I was back in Australia. Um, And it was a really, really tough and scary and eerie and weird process. Um, But it's also when, like the most kindness comes out. Mm. I've like so many little tales of people being just so kind and like everyone came together in that moment, especially that's what New Yorkers do. But it was really like um, very, very in a weird way, special time of life because even though I had so much fear, I felt so supported. Mm, That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you just hand your keys to a friend? I didn't even. (laughs) I just locked the door and left. And we thought it was going to be like I I left I did leave a spare key with my neighbour, like my friends who lived around the corner, and we all thought, oh, about four to six weeks from now, someone will one of my friends will come in and sort out the stuff and, you know, deal with all the different boxes I'd labelled recycling and (laughs) charity clothes and all that kind of stuff. But no, what ended up happening was my landlord um, wouldn't let me pay a dime more and came in, unlocked and, um, and watched the packers every move and made sure that the removalists did their good job and my stuff was on a boat on its way home. As a side note, my landlord is the mafia. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the part real of the deal. <laughs> but a very kind very mafioso. Kind mafioso. <laughs> <laughs> we just loved Australians. <laughs> oh, thank God. Um so shall we shall we talk about I mean that just that's so that's so full on. It's such a huge pivot, an unexpected pivot. But should we talk about what led you up to the decision of having a baby? Yeah. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. So you're having um, you've you've got 
stage four endo mm-hmm. and you were having treatment for that. Is that right? Yes. So arriving in New York, I knew I wasn't well, but I didn't really, like I hadn't really acknowledged it was probably going to be endo. I'd already had a surgery back in Australia um, a number of years prior and part of me thought it could be back, but I didn't really want to deal with it. But I did a couple of months after arriving and then had quite a big surgery. And off the back of that, realising, I think at that point I must have been about 34 Mm. and had been living there a couple of years and I just didn't see myself, um, I think, finding a guy in the kind of way that would then mean I'd want to have a baby with you in a quick kind of way. Like I just decoupled my thinking that in order for me to be a mother, it had to be because I'd found the guy I want to spend my life with. Mm. And so with these two things colliding, like my fertility had was starting to have an expiration date to it yep. that you like to not think about, <laughs> but is a very real, it's a reality for every woman, but it was a earlier reality for me than I thought it was going to be. And then because of your endo. Because of my endo, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I remember speaking to my fertility gynae and at first it was like, well, a couple of months after the surgery, it was like you need to get some eggs out. Like that's, that's, that's step one mm. is, is freeze your eggs. And then throughout that egg freezing process, I was like, I actually think that I might go all the way here. She's like, that's the smartest thing I think you've ever said. And because you get to know someone pretty well through yeah. the, throughout it. So um, it was that. And then it was like, I guess, some practicalities. You can't just go and do such an enormous thing if you haven't been planning for it or thinking about it or um, I don't know, like it's, it's just it's not an accessible thing Mm. to everyone. So in my mind, IVF and having a baby independently was just going to be this a financial level that I would never have thought was accessible to me as one income and all that kind of stuff with cost of living, et cetera. And then, yeah, a few just a few different things happened. I realised that my work provided insurance for fertility. I had knew that there was a great parental leave program and that as an, as an Australian, I wanted to have more than three months off work. Yeah. Cause they are <laughs> so short, the parental leave policy you know, yeah. there. So, um, I had a great parental leave policy where I worked and I was like, Oh, actually fine. I didn't realize like, Oh, hang on. Finances aren't going to be a barrier. Okay. Oh, geez. All right. Well, let's um, start thinking seriously about this. (laughs) So then I started doing more research and I spent about, oh, I don't know, somewhere in the vicinity of six months really thinking about it. And while you were thinking about it, were you going through Going through egg freezing. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, in that time, I think we had a, a, a Christmas happen. So I would come back to Australia and see my friends and family and be like, hey, that's what I'm thinking. And everyone was just, I had nothing but overwhelming support. And like, that's the best thing ever. Yeah. And so akin to every decision I make in life, I probably internally ponder it for a very long time. But once I make my decision it is so made i not i don't i don't waver once i've made it i spend the time quietly mulling myself and coming to that process but i rarely go back on a decision and this was no different and so then it moved from 
just just d- deciding it to then well you got to learn you've got to learn so much it's an educational process as well so it was um how do i practically do this in terms of the how do i get pregnant part <laughs> like that <laughs> like IVF is scientific and you're like, oh, my God, yeah, I remember year 11 biology and you, you have to, like, really, you really learn a lot. You have to learn, like, in a, in a essentially entirely different medical system to one that I was used to, so you're learning that as well and access to how you get donors and that whole selection process and everything. And, um, and then I also spoke to a couple of people I knew who'd done it um, not necessarily in a donor way, but um, a colleague w- was a single mum who knew her donor and, you know, I, I spent some time talking to others about what their experience was and um, but not n- zero time on the internet researching. That's literally zero. I'm not a blog person <laughs> and I... I don't need someone else to like share their experience to help inform my, like my decision-making. Yes. Um, so I steered clear of any of that. And then he, yeah, made, it's just, it was an evolve. It wasn't like one day I woke up and be like, Whoa, I'm gonna have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was an evolving situation of like your runways running out to have a baby. And I, as a, as a woman in her mid thirties, Obviously, the question of how, how like, motherhood starts to get a bit more realistic and people who know me will also absolutely agree, at no point in my life have I questioned, have I stopped to be like, do I want to be a mum? Like, is that something I want out of my life? It's just uh, for me and always, of course I do, an innate, like, sense of, um, wanting motherhood and wanting to be a, in that in a mother role um, was a bit of a of course I do so I didn't actually need to either stop and be like if I did continue in life as I am and end up not having a child would I be happy and it was like what well, no because I want to be a mother mm. so that was also part of the I'll go and make it happen <laughs> and how did you – did you always know that you wanted to use donor sperm or was there a moment where you were like, oh, maybe I'd ask someone I knew? Uh, so I had a couple of male friends actually be like, I'd do that for you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, that's the loveliest thing, but I wanted anonymity. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone – does it their way. Yeah. Um, and for me, having a detached scenario was was my preferred option. And what does that process look like? Like are you handed a folder? It's so funny. It is – I've actually never done, you know, the pre-app online dating. <laughs> But it's exactly how I envisage it would have been. <laughs> it's like, you know, the old RSVP.com. Yes. So you've got your login, you get your username and credentials, and it's literally going through a menu, a bit like what you said, like a folder of options. And it's like any database. You pick your fields and your search criteria and you look at uh, physicality. You look at medical um, components you've got, you've got to go making sure that also the de- genealogy matches are like your not genealogy your genetic composition between the two um specimens is healthy so you go through genetic testing as the as the individual which then reveals you may be a carrier of something and something and something so you don't want to also have a carrier of those things so there might be medical reasons why you need to choose a certain type of donation. Um, You can think about heritage. You can think about um, occupations and intellect and personality. And it's, it's actually, it's extraordinary. And even you get um, 
a voice. Like you hear their voice. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You hear their voice and you see three childhood pictures of uh, like very, very young baby toddler kind of stuff. And um, and so there's thousands as well. It's incredible. This is just from one sperm bank <laughs> as well. And so you yeah. don't see adult pictures of them in case you no. walk by them on the there's street. There's different levels of anonymity that the donor subscribes to. So okay. they choose right from the outset, do I want to be open with my identity? Um, like the – it's not advertised on the platform, but if you purchase and, and enter into an agreement, then you can find out that, who that person is and you can see some adult pictures. Um, you can do it so that at the point in time that the donor gives their donation, they also agree that in 18 years from the offspring being born, that the offspring can go to the agency and their identity is revealed. So essentially... You might be a donor and 20-odd years from when you give the donation, your identity is revealed to the offspring and you make that decision 20. You've made that decision however many years, decades prior. And what was the... And then there's the third. The third level of anonymity is like none. And if you, as the offspring turn 18 you can contact the agency the agency can can ask the donor do you want your identity revealed in a line of communication opened up or or don't you and at which point um they make the decision and that's the one that Edie has yep that's so interesting Mm. What an awesome process. It's a, it's the US process, which is quite different to the Australia process. Oh, right. So, again, like I have no clue of really the Australia process and I don't actually have that much knowledge of it. Mm. Um, but America, the land of if you can pay for it, you can get it. <laughs> so um, where there's a will, there's a way over there and it's very, very horses for courses. You do you and I'll do me mm. and then we can all be happy. And that's a, a great aspect to America. Yeah. And um, and so you don't have the same amount of regulation over, um, you know, donated tissue yep. that you do in Australia. And so you just pay a fee and off you trot. <laughs> yeah. It's just fascinating. Like I think it's so cool that that – option is there and there's so much in it yeah yeah it's actually it was very um overwhelming yeah it's it was very overwhelming and i remember um it was super bowl which is <laughs> early february yeah and i was obviously had moved past the decision process and was now researching who my who I would choose and you can imagine it can take you 15 minutes of researching one individual to then realize oh that's a deal breaker or and what a, and you don't even really at the beginning know all your deal breakers but at some point going through the process you you, you end up Something comes up. Yeah, yeah. And you go, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. And so the hours that – and I would spend them in really dedicated kind of blocks. It was, for me, like not something you, – you checked like you checked your Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> have a bit of a scroll and tin swipe it or whatever. <laughs> Donor swipe right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so – you know, I'd have these these sessions where I'd like, you know, do a lot of research. And anyway, Super Bowl came, and I went to a Super Bowl party, and obviously you have a few drinks at those. And I think I must have had just come off the back of a couple of days of research over a week weekend or something. And I remember phoning my, phoning my parents. I think I was like, "Who's going to pick up?" It was the middle of the day here, so. Um, my dad happened to pick up and I think it was in some ways a good thing that my dad, not my mum picked up. He, 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 he has 
moments of sage advice. And, you know, I was like a, a few, a few champagnes under like going on, rabbiting on and on and on about like, how do I choose? How do I make this choice? I felt a little crippled by the options and how do I know how, like for me, it was like almost that donor selection process was another landmark in the experience of, am I doing the right thing? How, what's the nature versus nurture in this? Like, what if I choose wrong? What if I, what if I make the wrong choice here? And you put a, you you really put so much pressure on yourself. Well, it's probably more knowledge and research than oh. a lot of people do if they're having a baby with a partner, boyfriend, one night stand, friend, whatever, whoever. It is infinitely more. Like I I didn't do that kind of right. Leith and I didn't get gene tested before right. we had kids. Yeah, like. Yeah. So it that's a it just come it just gets yeah it literally just got that word overwhelming, mm. and that then put a sense of pressure on me because yeah. like you you're making a big decision and then you, and then it's like and if I make the wrong one here, how will I know? Mm. But you don't know that when you're meeting a guy anyway. No, whether it's a genetic thing that happens or whether for whatever reason the man or the woman that you were with didn't turn out to be like the what you expected yeah so um we we had this really big conversation and there was this one donor that just kept I guess staying in my mind like I sort of I'd always come back to him in my mind and and my dad was just like well look at the end of the day you're the parent not them there are means to parenthood, but they're not the parent and you are and what you do as a parent is going to be what makes this child's life. And so in some ways you just got to pick. You just got to, you just got to make a decision and take the pressure off the science of it and move more to the love of it like yeah. the the all the good parenthood things that you're going to do yeah and, and that's where the nurture started to be like well nature is a means to this but a nurture is what I'm what what really is going to make yes. who she is well at that point yes. the baby mm. because I imagine there's there's well there isn't a right answer there's literally not. There's not the perfect no. donor. No. And so. And then what gets even weirder is, okay, yeah, okay, I'm going to go him. And then I go to like, you, you have to have your doctor check. So you get the ID and you like go through a little bit of administration just to make sure. Because they want to make sure that from the scientific perspective that everything's covered off. Um, the genetics and, and and then they're like, okay, well, go ahead. So, you, and, and and how many vials you need, and you go through sort of like a, a bit of admin on that, and then get this, add to cart. <laughs> no, literally, <laughs> you get to this section of the portal, which is like, add to cart. Add to cart. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. For me, I was like, maybe it's my generation or I don't even know, add but I cart. cannot add to cart like my the child. It is a bit. <laughs> it was a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I rang the guy. I rang the, you know, customer support line and I told him, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> So we did the old, and my credit card digits. And, and so he added to cart for Yes. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had a bit of a chuckle at that one. And then goes from, gets shipped from California to New York and then it gets swizzled up and, yeah, you go through IVF and, and then you just get, a whole other chapter, but, yeah. And then you get pregnant yeah hopefully hopefully wow 
other important, I think, part of the conversation is like my openness mm. about all this with Edie. Like, yes, I was gonna. Yeah, we already read IVF books about how Mummy went to the Bank of Hopes and Dreams. Oh, <sighs> because have you? Do you think that it's going to be? Well, clearly you do think that it's going to be easier if that is, if the the whole truth of the story is told to her from the word go. Absolutely. So there's not a, you're six now, yeah. you know, where's, who's, who's dad? No way. It's, it's, it's already her normal. She's obsessed Suck. with this Coco Melon show, which oh, every child I've is. avoided it. I've like the plague. So, but Please I know don't. It. It's so um, conventional and conservative, but. <laughs> She is so addicted to the songs. She absolutely loves that show. Coco, Coco, Coco. She she just, there's a mummy and there's a daddy. And so we were playing this memory game, which is the, you know, um, the cards of Coco Melon characters, (laughs) of course. And she, you know always does the baby first, then the mummy, then the daddy, then the brother and sister. And it's moments like that, uh, you know, there's the daddy. So, you know, she's saying daddy. Yeah. Edie have a daddy? No. (laughs) (laughs) And then what does Edie have? Pa. And, you know, lists off all these other people. And so I remember when she was just past one and starting to talk, she was swinging about in my bathroom you know playing around in in the cabinets and she's like talking to herself and she's like mummy yeah daddy no it's like she's just pro she's like it's it's dad's and she doesn't have one and it's her normalization of the her life and her construct and so why keep something a secret when it's just her normal well, it's her, it's it's her, her life. life. It would be sad if it was a secret and it would be weird. Well, if, It would be confusing. Well, and if it's a secret, it makes it sound like there's something wrong with it. Exactly. You know, oh, it's a secret. We won't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah. My one non-negotiable on – so everyone is very curious about the process of mm. – acquiring sperm and doing it this way and I love to inform people about it because it is a type of motherhood that maybe not everyone's had exposure to yeah so it's just hey we're all learning about different families here so I'm happy to share but what I from the very get-go absolutely refuse to talk about are the characteristics of the donor because it's not fair to ED mm. to have other people know aspects about him before even she's had the opportunity to learn those things. What he might do for an occupation, what he might have looked like. Yeah. I, honestly, I haven't even gone back to it since that add to cart moment. <laughs> I've literally not opened any of the information since. As do you going have back it? to the made the decision? I you made, made it the decision, but I have it all on like USB and a whole bunch of. And stuff. so one day she can sit down and read it or whatever. Yeah, or yeah. not up yeah. to her. Um, yeah. But you know, it's it's her it's her information before it's anyone else's. Yeah, which is so respectful and amazing of you. I think. Yeah, yeah. Got to remember that's like this is that she's a person. A, yeah. Yeah, this is her, the way that she's come into this world. Mm. As gorgeous and cute as she is. <laughs> she's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bring her with next time. Yeah, I know. We could have yeah. a play date. Yeah. Her and June can run around. Marley can stand there and watch them. That's <laughs> <laughs> what she I'll oh. just watch. Um, yeah. Thank you. And then I don't know how this is going to become a half an hour podcast, but anyway. It doesn't need to be half an hour. Yeah. It's the beauty of it.
Thank you so much, KJ, for sharing part one of your incredible story. We will have part two for you very shortly. There are links in the show notes to learn more about sperm donation in both Australia and America, as well as endometriosis and IVF. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brody Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.